Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the gift and blessing of another day of life, a day in which we can enjoy the cool of the morning, the warmth of the sun. Lord, the way that you caused the sun to, sh to shine through the clouds this morning and to add just beauty to our lives, Lord, what a gift you give us in that. And we pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us today. You have drawn us from all different places in life, Lord, and you have brought us to this place here together today for a purpose. Lord, nothing is wasted in your economy, so help us, Lord God, to be open to your leading, to have our hearts and our minds, Lord, receptive to what you are saying to us and how you are revealing yourself. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless this fellowship, that we would come into a deeper relationship with you and develop deep relationship with one another as well. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your mercy and your grace, which are new every morning. And we come to you today seeking that mercy and that grace. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. It is so splendid to see you all today. Uh, as many of you know, a couple weeks ago, and many of you were there, or several of you were there for it, uh, we had a backpacking trip. There were 12 of us out there in the woods, and we had a great time. Um, we were up above 7,000 feet. There was snow on the hillsides around us. There was this beautiful um, small range of mountains called the Black Buttes, which um, steeply dropped down into the lake that we were camped on the shores of, and the lake was just this beautiful blue color. I mean, it was an incredible place to be um, with, with the other 11 people. It was a great time to be there. But whenever I take a group out into the woods, there's a little anxiety in my heart, right? A little anxiety because I'm taking some sort of responsibility, and you know responsibility freaks me out, right? And some sort of responsibility for their lives, right? Because when people entrust their loved ones to me, at the end of the trip, what do they want to see? Their loved one's still alive, right? I mean, that is kind of one of the base, basic agreements we kind of come to on this trip. We should have a waiver that we sign, though. Uh, that'd probably be smart. I'll think of that for next year. But uh, yeah, you want it's like, and I really, uh, ideally, bring everyone back complete, right? And fortunately, everyone did come back complete. But there's moments on these trips, and, and in the night I can think about it, right, when I'm trying to sleep in the tent and not really sleeping so much. Think about all those chances people have to get lost or to get hurt or turned around, right? Maybe somebody gets up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and drops their flashlight, right? And it breaks. Batteries fall out. They can't find them because it's so dark, right? Maybe they wander off during the day to go look, at some, look for something and then... Forget kind of where it was that they were, the path they took to get there, you know, can't find their way back. I like to read in my spare time sometimes these accounts of people who get lost in the woods. Do you like to read that too, in the mountains? I think it's always really fun. But those things all come back to me as the leader of the group, like, what would I do? What would I do? How would I find this person? Where would I look? How do I anticipate what moves they would make and try and find them and track them down? It's hard and scary, right? The idea of getting lost or losing someone. And then just this last week, uh, my wife and I and two of our youngest girls went and saw a Sacramento Republic soccer game down at Cal Expo. 
right? And we were there having a good time, and then the girls got kind of tired of the game, and so we're like, okay, girls, we're going to leave in five minutes, but you two, you can go over to this booth we saw that has some kid activities by the front gate. Go ahead and be there for a little bit. We're going to watch a little more of the game, and we'll come and meet you here. So five minutes pass. Tara and I get up. We head towards the booth and arrive at the booth, and what do we not see? Yeah, not kids. And what else is not there? The booth is gone, too. Right? There's nothing there. So... Did they really know where the booth was? Are they wandering looking for the booth? Are we, you know, where are the kids? What happened? Did something happen to them? Are they gone? It's right by the gate, right? Did somebody, did they, somebody grab them and run out? What could, you know, and you're, you can kind of spin out of control quickly, can't you? And so Tara, my wife, stayed right where that booth was, the location formerly known as Booth Place. And uh, I went and started looking for them. You know, not really anxious because they're not like little, little kids. You know, I think it'll be okay. But still at the same time, like, why didn't we chip our girls so that we could, you know, track them or find them? And I get, you know, 50 yards away and Tara gives me a call on my phone. Oh, they're right here. They've just gone to the bathroom. Right? Everything was fine. Completely fine. But that fear... That fear of something that's lost, someone, in particular a person, it's a scary thing. And you run out of, you just don't know exactly what to do. That idea of losing something that's precious to us and seeking after it is present here in um, our readings from the Gospel of Luke today. And we are in the section where it'll be these two parables, and then the next parable you might have heard of, it's called the parable of the prodigal son, right? So it's three parables right in a row, all about something being lost and found again, something being redeemed and restored. And in particular, they, this, these three parables speak about the theme of Jesus searching out the lost, and so we have our two opening parables here in this passage for today. And that first passage, this first parable, of course, is the parable of the lost sheep. And it begins like this. Little Bo Peep had lost her sheep. Oh, wait, no, that's not the right one, is it? That's a good one. I'm sure that's biblical, too. I, I can't remember where it is. Probably in, like, I don't know, Ecclesiastes or something. No, um, instead it begins like this. Which of you, having a hundred sheep... And losing one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. Jesus invites the audience into this parable by, by beginning it with a question, right? Which of you, which of you, having lost a sheep, which of you? And even though we're a couple thousand years removed from the fresh telling of this parable, we're invited into this questioning as well. Which of you? Which of us? If we had a hundred sheep and lost one, which of us wouldn't leave everything to go to look for that one lost sheep? Wouldn't we endure a long hike and an exhausting search if it resulted in the finding of that one lost and scared sheep. 
The answer is yes, we would, right? I didn't hear a lot of yeses. Are you a hard-hearted group today? Nah, let the sheep, natural consequences, let it kind of sort itself out, right? If it's a tough sheep, it'll make it back. No, we would all do it, right? Even though in the back of our mind, we might think 99 out of 100 is not bad. Right? Good thing I didn't apply that logic with your loved ones when I took them in the woods, right? No, they're all important. They're all important. We couldn't imagine leaving that poor sheep out there all alone. Because sheep, despite their fangs and claws, are not, don't have a lot of defenses, right? They don't. They're kind of like a walking lunch bar, right? And so you can't leave them out alone. You can't just write off the loss. You have to go and look for them. Because to not go out and seek after them would weigh upon our conscience. Then in the parable, when the sheep is found, uh, the shepherd puts the sheep on his shoulders. And then then when upon arriving home, there's an invitation. The call goes out to friends and neighbors for a party to celebrate the finding of the sheep. Isn't that what we would do? Or something like it? I think the party sounds maybe a little big, right? I mean, it's just one sheep, you know? But certainly the telling of the story, I think, would, I mean, I, you'd have to embellish it a little bit, like, you know, the, the mountain lion was about to pounce when I grabbed hold of its tail or whatever you happened to do. But for some reason, Jesus includes this idea of a celebration. For him, it's not too much to have that there. That one lost sheep is significant enough that there's a party on the restoration of that sheep. The second parable is similar, though it involves inanimate objects, which don't wander away as easily. There is a woman who has 10 silver coins and she loses one. So she lights a lamp and sweeps the house and searches diligently for that coin until she finds it. Like with the shepherd, the woman doesn't stop until the coin is found. And when she has found it, like the shepherd, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. It's been restored. Now there are three things that I believe are important for us to grasp in these parables. The first is the audience of the parables. It's important to know who Jesus was speaking to, because that often lends a certain um, coloring to the parable itself. Right? So who was Jesus speaking to? Well, the passage begins with all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. Jesus was very attractive to those tax collectors and sinners, to those who were on the outside, to those who were on the margins of society, to those who um, didn't get invited to the dinner parties and didn't get greeted with a nice handshake or a hug when they showed up at their high school reunions, right? Jesus was very compelling to those people because he looked them in the eye and he spoke to them and he spent time with them And he cared about them. And he healed their wounds. And so they responded by 
gathering around him and wanting to be with him. They'd never been treated like this, like the way Jesus treated them. And so they wanted to be with him all the time. Now this, of course, made the good guys frustrated, right? The good kids. And we are told that the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. Ew, right? Ew. And yet there's Jesus, welcoming sinners and eating with them. They're mad that Jesus is spending too much time with the wrong sorts of people. And it is this comment that brings about the telling of the parable. So the audience is an interesting audience, right? The audience is two groups of people who are very different. The ones who Jesus wants to hear this message are both those who are lost and hoping to be found and those who are lost but think they're found the whole time, right, and are critical of that other group. Those are the two audiences. You've got the sinners and the tax collectors and the Pharisees and the scribes. He's speaking to both of them, and the message is slightly nuanced for each one. Right? To those, the, the, Pharise- or the tax collectors and the sinners, the message is, I'm coming for you. I'm coming to save you. And there's going to be a party when we bring you home. The message to those Pharisees and the scribes is that God cares about those people you're so critical of. God cares about them. Jesus wants everyone to know what the sinners and the tax collectors already sense by being around Jesus, that he has come to seek and to save the lost, to redeem that which has been lost. Now, will this make the Pharisees and the scribes happy? Do they hear this parable and go, oh, gosh darn it, I had no idea. That's how it all worked. Well, yeah, bring them on in. No, not at all. They're not happy at all. But nothing's really going to make them happy until they stop judging those other people and realize that they are lost too. It's not just those other guys who are lost. They are too. It's just they cover it up with a lot of, you know, makeup or whatever. Good action. The second thing which is important to grasp is the inevitability of the shepherd and the woman to find what is lost. Right? There is no question that that sheep and that coin will be found. There is no doubt in our minds as the parable is being told that the person who is looking for those things will find them. Jesus, the good shepherd, will find the lost. The passage tells us, uh, for the first parable, when he has found it, when he has found the, the sheep, it doesn't tell us if he has found it. It's not a hypothetical in that way. Well, if one's lost and if he finds it, there's going to be a big party. No, rather, when he has found that lost sheep, he will put it on its shoulders and bring it back. And the woman who is searching will not give up until the coin is located. She will sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And again, when she has found it, it is confident assertion 
that the lost will be found. In the same manner, Jesus Christ came to seek and to save the lost, and he will not give up, will not give up until they are found. The third thing, which I believe is of critical importance in these parables, is how excited God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and all the hosts of heaven are at the finding of one lost lamb and one lost coin. Because it's not the lamb and the coin, of course, that Jesus is speaking of. He tells us this when he says, so will it be in heaven when one sinner repents. The response in the parable seemed a little outsized for what had been lost and found. But here, we understand that this is not just a coin. This is not just a lamb. This is us. This is you and me, our neighbors, our family, our friends. This is us that Jesus is speaking of. And when one person comes to him, there is a celebration in heaven. And so Jesus Christ came to save the lost. He will not fail in his mission to save those who he was sent for. And there will be a party in heaven which we should celebrate with him as well. We, the church, we who have know the story of being lost and found, we should celebrate whenever anyone comes into relationship with Jesus Christ. That should be the role of the church. And we should welcome everyone who wants to come and worship our Lord. Now, this is all good news, because while we did not lose anyone on my backpacking trip hike, Right? If you do get lost, it's difficult to find your way back. It's difficult to find your way back. It's difficult to find the trail and safety to make decisions which are beneficial. In the same way, in our spiritual lives, if we find ourselves lost, it's sometimes very difficult to find the way back. You know, we make a decision which leads to another decision and another decision and we find ourselves a long way down that lost and lonely road where our actions have, made, have brought us to do things that we never thought we would do before. Things which we think God could never forgive us for. And if other people knew, they would never invite us into their home. God came for you and for me people who know this narrative only too well, the story of failure, story of brokenness, story of disappointment. God came for us to set us free. And these parables, they tell us a story of a God who is filled with compassion, mercy, and purpose and determination to bring us back to find us no matter how far we, we get away from where he originally had us and to restore us back to the safety of his fold. And his mission is not complete with the restoration of just us. There are many more sheep who the Lord is seeking out. And you and I get to be a part of that process by sharing the good news, by loving and caring for others, by... Um, being gracious and merciful with them, 
and sharing the hope of Jesus Christ whenever we get the chance. So may the Lord continue to look for, to seek out, and to save the lost. And may we rejoice when he does. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for being a God of grace and mercy and love. Thank you for drawing us to yourself and finding us when we were lost. And we pray, Lord God, that you would help us to be people who welcome others back in as well. That we would be people who proclaim your goodness and your mercy and your hope in this world. And we pray, Lord God, that your spirit would be actively um, drawing people to you, Lord, softening hearts and preparing them for your salvation. We thank you, Lord, for your merciful love for us in our lives. And we pray that you would help us to likewise be merciful and gracious with others. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name.